start. <laughs> Alright, here's the official start. Got my hose in now. So, last night we got up before the. Well, this seat's a lot lower. But, uh, last night before we got cut off, before the camera died, we were on the topic of death. And so I want to ask you this question, since you're clearly going to die soon, uh, <laughs> I, what do you think happens after you die? What do you believe? That's tough. I can tell you that the Christian believe. No, I want to know your belief. I think most people that think about things, um, question everything like that. I don't know anybody that thinks the way I do. So I'm thinking that most people don't give it a second thought, you know, they, they believe what they believe, and, um, uh, they go to they die believing what they always believed. So you're saying most people are kind of closed-minded when it comes to that? Yeah. Because I would agree. I, I think most people are set in stone. They they believe what they believe, and they're not really willing to compromise at all. And I don't really I don't understand how you can speak with conviction when it comes to death, because my my personal belief. After you die, I think everybody's wrong. I think some people are more correct than others, or not even more correct, just less wrong than other people. I think what happens after death is so incredible, so unimaginable with our primate brains that I don't think anybody's able, able to be able to really grasp what happens after death. I think... I think some religions are more correct, and some people are more correct, but or less wrong. Where do you think the Muslims go? The ones that don't kill kill somebody. I believe we all go to the same place, but I don't know if that's right or not. Like I said, well, Muslims believe in God. You know, they they've got Muhammad, you know, but, uh, and they've got the Quran, and no matter how many times you hear them say that. The Quran does teach them to kill the infidels. I don't care how many of them will. Usually, when usually when you hear somebody saying that the Quran does not say that, it, it's not a Muslim saying it. It's uh, it's somebody that does they want to believe a certain thing. And well, what are their motives? Do you think they have hidden motives when they say that? They're, they're taught by Muhammad and they're taught that their job on earth is to kill everybody that is This not. is also this is the minority though. No the they're minority all taught, of Muslims. They're all taught that. And some of them obviously obviously don't believe and they don't they don't enact it. They don't do things like that. You know, I, they might be two percent or ten percent or something like that. Right. Bill O'Reilly one time on the air, he was always saying stuff, and he just said, my guess would be about 20% of them were, were from, um, 
not necessarily going to go cut people's heads off, but they believe it's a, that that's what you should do. Right. But then again, they, maybe they don't want to live. But off the topic of Muslims and what they believe, what do you believe happens? Do you think about this a lot? Do you, do you sit around? Because I, I, I mean, like we were saying last night, you, you said, I think you, think you actually answered that. You said you do talk, you think about death. Yeah, I did. A fair amount. I, I mean, I think about death a fair amount for a 21-year-old. And I feel like when I get to your age, I'm going to be thinking about it a little bit more. If I, I get to your age. I can't talk to Darcy about it because she, she won't talk about it. See, because if I, if I talk to her, if I even say anything like that, she thinks I'm worrying about it. In her mind... If you talk about something, you must be worried about it. Especially it on the topic of death, yeah. It, it can't ever be just, uh, I, I wonder what that is. To her, you know, and I, I don't mean to bring her into it. It's not a negative thing. She's the person I live with. So most people you talk to won't even discuss death. It's not comforting. It's not comforting yeah, to discuss to, something like that. you ever talked to Benny about that? A little bit. Not as much as I'd like to. Does he, is this something he's interested in t- even talking about? I haven't brought it up I enough to know his opinion, person. to know his stance on what he thinks. And I bet you can't, I bet you can't uh, find one person that... Yeah, you can definitely find some, that somebody. That actually will discuss dying. Right. Well, I think our culture and our society hides that, and I don't know, the, the, I said this last line as well, but the, the paradox about death is that the more you think about death and the more you accept death, the more you start living your life, because then you start to understand that time has, that you have a finite amount of time on this earth, every single day is a blessing, and it should not be taken for granted. Then you seize the day, you take advantage of every moment you have on the day, and you live fully in the moment. That's what that's what death. Thinking about death has taught me to live your life because you start to see life for what it is—a blessing and kind of a miracle that you're even here. Yeah. And I, I also I don't think you're pessimistic for bringing death up because I remember a few years back you brought death up a lot, and. It really bothered people like my sister, or my mom, and they would always they would always talk about like how annoying it was that you brought that up. But I, hey, maybe 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 I felt the same way they did at first. But now that I actually have my own opinion on it, I think it's super healthy to think about that. So in some aspects. So what did your mother have to say about me burying you up there? I don't even remember. This was a year. This was like a few years ago. This actually that was probably more than two years ago because I, I think I was still in high well, school. I, I know what they I know what they were thinking. Right. I know what most people were thinking. But what do you what do you same think? Same thing. Same as same as your grandma. You know. Why do you why do you talk about it there? Because it's so morbid, you know, and and it's uh, it's not something you should live your life, and so they would think okay if you're discussing death. You must have you must have some kind of death wish, or you know you're worried about dying. Things like that, you know. Most people can't just they just don't understand it when you just talk about things. Right. 
Do you, you find that out at your age? Do you find the same thing? Yeah, people... People don't want to move past the superficial conversations and talk about something real because, one, that's more difficult, it takes more thought process, but in my opinion, it's kind of the most rewarding, but it's it's the only way I know how to think, honestly. I just, I refuse to, I hate small talk, I hate those basic thoughts, those basic conversations, and it's just, it's, yeah, I agree with you 100%, and most people are that way, but I guess I have a little bit more of an optimistic view that even though it is the minority, I do believe there are people out there that do kind of, I mean, they like to have deep talks and stuff like that. But it, also, I mean, whenever the people who do like to have those deep talks and talk about real things, it, it really makes you, since they are such the minority, and it's like, it really is like 1% of the population. It's a very small amount. Um, I find it more rewarding when you come across those people because the, all the all the people who kind of suck in that aspect make you appreciate the ones who don't, the thinkers, the just the real ones. Why don't you do that? Do, do a poll when you get back to school. Just just mental thing, you know. Nothing, nothing going and writing it down or anything. Just. Just a mental poll for the next semester, you know. You come back at Christmas time, you know, we could talk about it. Find out what people, including people like Mason, you know, if you, I don't know how, I mean, I don't know how often you'll see Mason at school. I don't see him a fair amount. I would guess you would, you would both, hey, you know, let's go play a soccer game tonight or let's, let's go eat lunch or something like that. Ideally a few times a week, yeah. Yeah. And he he might be one of us, you know. He might be one of us. I doubt it. But just do a poll and, and kind of halfway bring up. I don't know, esoteric is that the word? Just uh, anything that nobody else cares about. Maybe just abstract. Kind of, just kind of bring something in the abstract up. Um, and see if anybody follows you. You know, I'm talking about if you got five or six. Well, I do. I do it all the time, and yeah, I mean, I'm, same thing. I, they, most people like to kind of forget about their problems instead of accepting their problems. That's why they drink away the the pain or whatever it is, or drink away the school week, whatever they want. They realize that if they start drinking a lot, that's going to be the problem. Um, I mean, you know, it's like it's like the uh, most people kind of make decisions without thinking of. The effects it could have on not not even just themselves, but the people around them. How many thinkers do you know? I don't know. I mean, they're a fair amount. I mean, the the hardest part though is nobody wants to be identified as a non-thinker. I I don't say that like like when I talk about these people, the majority of people who aren't really thinkers, aren't really deep individuals, aren't really I guess enlightened. You'd say. Uh, I'm not saying I am. I'm not saying they aren't, I'm just saying, and I'm not saying, I'm not implying that I am, I'm not implying that I'm better than those people either. It probably, probably come across that way if you ever said, hey, I'm a thinker. Yeah, yeah, it would come, come, come across that way. I used to listen to guy on the radio, and uh, he, many times he would say, I don't, I don't suppose to, to, to know everything. 
but I am a thinker. I heard this guy say that. I like that. He's just one of the radio guys, you know. And uh, I, that's probably where I got it from. I like that a lot. You know, it's been eight or nine years ago when I we used to listen to him on radio. And I've never heard that before. I like that a lot, though. Yeah, I don't know everything, but I am a thinker. And, uh... Because that, that puts that humility behind it. Because if you just say, I'm a thinker, then you're right. It comes off kind of cocky. It comes off conceited. And kind of gives you, like, a false sense of confidence that you have in your intellect. But that you really can't... You can't say you're a thinker without some humility backing that if you really are yeah. a thinker, too. Because it... You gotta, you gotta be humble in the fact that you know nothing as well. The reason you have to do that is because everybody in the world is a narcissist to some extent. Everybody, me, 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 me. So if you say anything, they're gonna internalize that and think, okay, you think you're a thinker, but you, you think I'm not a thinker. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because when you say I'm a thinker, it kind of does imply that nobody else is a thinker. And, and they probably say thinker, uh, equals intelligence, equals know a lot, whatever, you know. Just because you're thinking, so you're right, what you just said. You have to say something that precedes saying, I'm a thinker. Something, well, something that precedes and that implies humility yeah. with it. And, and what, what Glenn Beck was doing was exactly what you could, you could do. I, I don't know everything. I'm going to pretend to know everything, but I'm a thinker. Don't ever just say I'm a thinker. I like that. you got to think before you say I'm a thinker, you know. And, uh, well, that's the other thing, too, is nobody nobody wants to be identified as a non-thinker or, like, in the, are. in the ignorant public. And maybe maybe we are. Who knows? I don't know. You are what your brain is, you know. Right. You don't really have a choice. You, you know, you just, you are who your brain is. Mm -hmm. And I, when I was talking about politics, I always, I always have something like, Obama is the way he was raised. And I've said this many times. I saw this thing in, in the 1970s. This professor from the University of Colorado. And stop me if I've already told you this. It's, it's a three-hour. You can probably find it now on the Internet. It's a three-hour presentation. And uh, it's called, You Are What You Were When. And the whole thing is, when you're around 10 to 11 years old, that's you forever. Well, that's just a theory of personality. It's not a theory. Then what's, what, what was there to back it? I don't think we Everybody really understand. You know. Every, I, I, don't, I don't know if we necessarily understand. I think any... Any idea of the personality and like nature versus nurture is more theory than fact. This is this is the this is what it, the guys always said many many times. This guy I'm talking about. I wish we could find him on YouTube. Here's what he would say: You are what you were. You are what you were when when you were ten. You're back. You're whatever. All the people around you. Everybody that had any influence on you. That's who you are forever, unless a significant event occurs. And he, he gave several examples. Uh, one was, he, he was a professor in college, so he was walking down the hallway one day, and he was telling this as a story, and he said, here comes this young girl, 
and a bicycle riding down the hallway inside the building. And when she got to her class, she just got off of it and it just fell. It just fell against the wall. Uh huh. So he went over there and stomped the crap out of that bicycle. And you look at that girl and he said something like, "You mess up my world, I'm gonna mess up your world." In other words, that he's a college professor, so that's his world. That's where he lives, pretty much, most of the time. Did you really do that? Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. a little extreme just to get a point across. <laughs> I had to buy a bicycle probably for this girl. Right, yeah, yeah. But she was in a hurry and she just jumped off of it and hit the wall, you know, and it definitely scratched the wall, you know, and, and uh, this is my, you know, uh, significant event has to occur. Now this is this is a really small one. One one would be you lose your brother. You know, Benny just lost lost a brother and Paul probably should have lived another twenty years at least. Yeah. He's gone. I think he was fifty nine. That's a significant shot. For the whole family. That would be considered a significant event in your life. But Benny's over fifty, so probably won't have a lot to do with it. Right. He'd probably still Benny forever. I mean, I've noticed when I'm around all Benny and his sisters and all that, I don't ever see any, I don't see any more, any thinking sadness about Paul being dead. He's been dead. I don't see that either. About three months. No. I'd say about three months. Surely hasn't been any longer than that. They didn't argue about money for a long time. They had meeting after meeting after meeting, and, and uh, I don't know anything that goes on there, but sometimes Darcy, your mother will tell Darcy I things think that you I, tell As far as that scenario goes, I think it's had the, the actual situation, like Paul being shot, being murdered, that has impacted me in a little bit. I wouldn't say it was dramatic, shift of, uh, I guess, change in my personality at all, maybe a little bit, a few changes here and there, but uh, more than anything, I think, is what that's impacted me and that I've learned from their mistakes is how they've uh, responded to the situation, and I don't necessarily agree with what they, they're putting, they're putting greed, anger, revenge, Pretty much greed is the main backing of it, uh, over love for their for their family, and you, I, I would never want to do that. I, I always want to put in my hierarchy of uh, what I value. I always want to put love above greed, above anger, above all that stuff. Because if you're if you're if Benny's family, and all I got to do is they're all women now, Benny and four women. They're not good people. Some of them probably are, but right. Yeah, the collective wants. My if if Darcy and I die, same time. We have four kids. This won't happen with your four kids. Absolutely guarantee you, one million percent. There will not be one thing. One bad thing that happens with those four kids. Nothing bad. They'll get happen. together. They'll get together one time and they'll read the rip well. Now take all the money we have and say, okay, 
the will says that each one of them gets one fourth. Those words are in his book. 
And when you're eight years old and you're sitting on the guy's lap every day, you know, you sit on their lap or you sit real close to them and they tell you the stories. And the number one thing he learned was the United States is not a good place. This all comes out. It's not, it, what's really important is the whole world. A globalist. That's what they call them, a globalist. Mm -hmm. So he was taught young that this is not a good country. Well, his wife even said that she hated the country. Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama came out during the election of 2008, after he was elected, before he took office. She said, for the first time in my life, adult life, I'm proud of my country. That's what she said. So, he not only was that way, he married somebody that was the same way. I wish I could fact check you on these things, but... It's in the book. Mm -hmm. Well, you could, if you want to see it, you will get it. I saw I, I saw in person. Mm -hmm. She said that, and then when, when your when your husband just became president, everything you say outside your wet bedroom probably, everything you say is on on film. You could you could say right now. Guarantee you could go in there and say, Michelle Obama. Um, I'd rather I'd rather move the topic away from politics though. No, I, I, I knew you call it politics. Uh, this is what I'm trying to tell well, it's, you. It's a political candidate's water. It all act, it all act, goes back to this professor and you are who you were when. Uh -huh. And the example I was giving you, it's not politics, just because the guy's a was president, it's not, it doesn't mean you, call, you can talk about George Bush and then and it wouldn't have to be politics. Not everything is politics. This is an example of a person, you are who you were when. That's why, okay, you're just, that after I read okay. the book, after I read the book, and after I saw part of most of his speeches that he used to give, his brain is set up like, he's probably a good person. And I think he's a Muslim, but I don't care, you know. I really, deep down, I think he's done anything. I think he's like, like most people. Oh, I was raised. I was raised a, 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 a Christian. No, he wasn't. He went to Muslim schools, great schools, Muslim churches. Two aunts, two uh, two parents, two grandparents, two parents, both Muslims, one white, one black. Two grandpas, two grandmas, all four are Muslims, and they're communists. Now. When I call people communists, you and Melina especially, probably just think I, I'm just, sometimes that you're a communist, I call you that, you know, hey, communist pig, come in here. But when I say it's so and so is a communist, they really are. Mm. I, I can understand the difference between sarcasm and you being real. Yeah. Yeah, I understand that. But back to the, the real reason I brought that up was because... I am who I was when I was about 10 years old. I don't remember any significant things in my life. My dad died when he was 66. So that's awful young to die. But when my mother was 99 almost, in September she'll be 99, my dad was, think wow. about that. That's 35 years she's lived. Wow, that is pretty unreal. Because I never even met your dad. He died in 1980, so that's 37 years she's been alive. It's pretty crazy your mom's still alive. 
It is crazy because nobody in her family, actually, her sisters, I don't know if they're all dead or not. She had three sisters. One of them died because I went to her funeral. She was, I think she committed suicide. Her brother committed suicide. I don't know how many of these stories I've told you guys. My uncle, my mother's brother, jumped off the bridge when he was about 25 years old because he lost his girlfriend. I do remember you telling me that because you brought it up in Monopoly at a family Thanksgiving. And out of the blue, just randomly, you go, we were all playing Monopoly. And then, and then you're like, yeah, you know my, my uh, so it was your uncle? You know my uncle killed himself by jumping off a bridge? And I was like, why would you bring that up over Monopoly? <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't know why I bring these up. Right. <laughs> and I'm guessing that you, you might have the same kind of genetic makeup, you know. See, you're 21, so you don't know what you're going to do when you're 50, 60, 70, 80. You know, you don't, you don't know what you're going to do. You're going to know a whole lot more than I do. But I also have a huge advantage. You know, when you get old, you try not to talk about the past a lot. But your past is enormous. I'm not 73 years old, you know. Well, the past is most of what you have, so you're trying to hold on to what you have and... I think it, for for me the two hardest things to let go of are people and the past. Not that I'm nostalgic at all. It's just like I don't know. You'll be the same way. You you, you think you don't want, but you will. <laughs> what you, do you mean? You, you'll be telling soccer stories to your grandkids. Oh yeah, I probably will be. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. That most grandkids want to hear things that happened way back when. Yeah, I think I think you have a as a as an adult, especially like a grandparent role, you kinda have a response. I don't know if I call it a responsibility, but you kinda have a role to fill um, to kinda explain your past and what things were like and I I would argue me personally, a lot of who I am and a lot of how I think kinda stems from you and grandma. Because uh, you guys have really, you guys, I'm a long-term thinker, and I think that's because of you guys, because I start to understand that I'm going to get old, so why not think for the long-term instead of the short-term gain that most of my generation kind of tends to favor? My, uh, my father's father, my grandpa, that was the best part of my youth, listening to his stories. It's interesting. It, it, here, here's one. He said, I played baseball. I was a shortstop and I didn't have a glove. Mm -hmm. Shortstop. That's crazy. And it's a lot. He, he talked about it. He was born in 1878. I mean, the Civil War. I think the only position that would need a glove more than, uh, <laughs> more than the shortstop would be the catcher. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the gloves they had would be just the glove and it wouldn't. The fingers, are this, they're all separated. It is this is leather and and five and four things here, and he puts his thumb where he can, I guess. Right. And uh, so it, it wasn't curved like it is today, you know. And you can't you can't really miss a ball now. Right. It just kind of flopped around, you know. And it looked just like your hand because it was probably just a little bigger than your hand, and that was the glove it had. I don't know how I know that, but I think I saw some old movies or whatever it was. All the way from when, when I played baseball, I was a shortstop. 
and with the blog, because nobody could afford blog. And the other, the other extreme, he said one time, I was on a, it was a child, I guess he was like, I don't know, 10, 11. And he, he I guess they used to round up cattle. Mm -hmm. And uh, in fact, I know they round up cattle, because, you know, I know quite a bit of history crap. So, and at night, you get around the, you've seen these old movies, haven't you? At night, you get around a campfire. And they bring you, the, there's a cook, you know, and he calls over, everybody gets beans. You bring that. But he said one night, he's camped out there, and they got, they got robbed. And at gunpoint. It's like some cowboy. A woman. Really? There was a woman, uh, I think in Bell Star, maybe. Uh, if you look up right now and see a picture of her. I feel like I've heard of her because I, I think Grandma was telling me about Bellstar. There's a woman now who, who claims to be reincarnated by Bellstar. Or maybe maybe not sure, now. But I'm pretty sure that it's Bellstar. Who robbed him? Robbed them. And she was a woman. And I'm guessing that she had a pa several people. You don't just walk in because somebody, yeah, yeah. somebody there could shoot you or something. You know, but you walk in and you got a lot of people and you, you rob people because... They probably had some coins, some money and stuff, or maybe more food, whatever, you know. They just, a lot of people that went around robbing people. That's how they made their living. Yeah, a lot easier to get away with things back and then. Back then, if, it, if the sheriff went and shot them, it wouldn't be a trial. You ever heard of the hanging judge? No. There was a, this is, I think this was right around 1900. There was the judge. That uh, he'd hang everybody. He he was a judge, and this guy come in and he said, "Okay, what would he do?" Well, he he, uh, he robbed the bank. He, he robbed the uh, <laughs> he robbed the bank. Oh, did he? Hang him. They go out here beside right there and hang him. Yeah, that's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was saying, "Okay, judge, you took somebody's money." Goodbye. Right. Your neck is going to break in a few minutes. You you choke to death, and you you know, and we'll throw in the grave someplace or not, you know. You know, I, that's something I almost. But back on the topic of uh, just a minute. Let me let me see. Hanging judge. Share some information. Hanging judge is a colloquial phrase for a judge who has gained notoriety for handling down punishment by the tusks. So it's an expression or like an actual Okay, judge? a judge who has gained notoriety for handing down punishment by sentencing convicted persons to death by hanging or otherwise imposing unusual harsh sentences. Hanging judges are officers of the court with mandates as opposed to extra legal lynch law. I thought they, I thought they would tune, I mean the guy, maybe there's a lot of hanging judges, it's judges that hang people, but there's a movie about the hanging judge. Mm -hmm. So I guess you could be a hanging judge and not always hang them, 
Or you'd be hanging judge and in five minutes they they get a rope around their neck or hanging. Just just kind of telling, you know, here's what it is, okay, go hang him. Next. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can walk in on him and you know you're gonna die that day, you know. I thought there would be one. Not that it matters, but I don't know. I... What were you gonna say? Uh Hey, back on the topic of uh, the influence your like grandparents can have on your life, I do think that's cool because, especially the generation, the shift you've seen just in your lifetime from living on a farm, in the, and you're born in the '40s, so living on a farm in the '50s, the '40s, and even some of the '60s, and moving over to Italy, living overseas for a little bit, then. They're moving to a larger town like St. Louis. That's a pretty cool life, in my opinion. Like I'm from there to Omaha. I say Omaha, it's because Omaha was the only big city there. We lived in Belleville for a long time. Belleville and Nebraska was five miles to the base. And then you go the other way, about five or ten miles, it was Omaha. Mm -hmm. And Omaha is where Michelle was from. Yeah, yeah. But not really. Omaha was... Wait a minute. Omaha, Nebraska. Where'd you move after that? She was from uh, a town, a little town about 30 miles from Omaha. But after Omaha, got out of the Air Force and I moved here in St. Louis County. Alright, I thought you guys moved a lot more. Okay. I thought you moved like six or seven times before. Well, I mean, if you count, uh, we moved to Darcy. Yeah, we moved to Mississippi because when I got out of boot camp, she came down there and we got her a little apartment. Right. And while I was in school, we lived in, in Biloxi, Mississippi. Biloxi, Mississippi. And then we went back to, well, when we got married, you don't live with your parents. So I bought my grandpa's house. Uh, I don't know if I ever paid him for it or not, but I need money. So that's uh, that's the first place we lived. Was was my grandpa's? I guess we lived with his with her parents maybe a week or two or something until and my grandpa was my grandma was dead, you know. And uh, in fact, she died the year. We got married. 1962, I think my grandma died. So my grandpa moved in with, with his his daughter, thing. But we got the house. So we actually, we lived, so that was Did you move in with your brother? Me? Yeah. He moved in with us. Okay, okay. We, it was our house and he moved in and um, he was married, he got married. Right after we did. I remember, I, wasn't he kind of a, there was some conflict, some turmoil between the two of you? Oh, it wasn't. It was this childish stuff. You know, I was, he's two and a half years older than I am, so I was. Did they kind of like dominate the TV or do something like that? Yeah, it, uh, it was his television, so he always wanted to watch Gunsmoke. And, uh, 
whatever he wanted to watch on television, that's what we'd watch. You're right. That is pretty childish. That and he's gonna he's gonna try to play. We were both childs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was probably. Uh, he's gonna be controlling of the television when he's living in your house. That was in 1962. That was I was 18. I was 18 years old. Okay, okay. No, I was 19 and Darcy to turn 18. That's what it was. 19 and 18. My brother would have been 21 and a half. Okay. And Leela, his wife, Leela, still the same wife. He got married. He married another another woman first. So Leela was his second wife. His first wife was only 14 when they got married. No way. Yeah, I think she was 14 years old. He was about 17. A 14-year-old girl? That's what I remember. That's unheard of today. That's one of the biggest differences between like your generation and mine. That would never happen today. Jerry never. Lee, you know who Jerry Lee Lewis is? I've heard that name a few times. He's still alive. Yeah? He's a singer, but Elvis, at the same time Elvis was famous, he was famous. No good deal. Jerry Lee Lewis. Mean get a uh, piano player, uh? and he'd sing. But boy, he'd go all over that piano, you know. He could, and he's probably still doing it. Mm -hmm. I think he's still alive. He married his fourteen-year-old cousin. Cousin? Yeah. Wow. Even weirder. <laughs> Add another element to this fourteen-year-old madness. Are they still married? Oh no, no. No. Okay, good. No, I I think he might have gotten her pregnant or something. I don't I don't know the whole story. The kid comes out all mutated. It's, you could get that out of Different times, man. Different times. Yeah, he was, uh... That's another thing that doesn't happen is marrying cousins nowadays because we know the science behind that. Well, you know why? They thought it would, you get an illegitimate kid, you know? Not illegitimate, just mentally. And then about ten years ago, they said, no, that's not true. Wait, they would give you what? You had a possibility of getting a mentally challenged child for years and years. Oh, I thought that was like I still thought that was no. That sounds pretty plausible. About ten years ago, about ten, about ten years ago they they came out and said I thought it was like a guarantee. You can really? You can, your husband. you can marry a cousin. All right. Well, that changes my judgment on the whole view. <laughs> yeah, you can marry your cousins. You all right, I guess I guess it's cool to marry your cousins. I take back everything I said. Well, I mean, when there's only three girls in your whole high school, you know. <laughs> right, right. You're short you know, of you're options. You're not talking about 900 people in your class. Especially if you're kind of a shy person, you don't feel like you get to know too many people in your life. You're like, oh, I'll just get to know the person I already know a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. My cousin. I mean, it, it, times have changed. I mean. So, so you guys did have cell phones, and it's it's definitely the norm now to like kind of like get a girl's number. What was like? What was your uh, way of getting a girl back then? I didn't have a way. Really? I only had one. No game plan, no tactics. No, I only had one. Eighth grade, I'm a basketball player. She's a, she liked me, and I liked her, and uh, so she'd go she'd go on the bus with us when we. That's, so you've only been with one girl your entire life. That's crazy. Yeah. Where? Neither one I've ever dated anybody. See, I had, I had girls interested in me. Do you think there's some... Not to question your and Grandma's relationship. The only reason I would even ask this question is because you guys are obviously very stable and nothing's going to change. 
But do you think that's had any negative impacts of like on your relationship? Any what? Any negative impacts on your relationship? What do you mean? Like uh I don't know, I just I find it kind of important to kind of explore what you like to find out it's to grandma's on the phone. Hello? Okay, don't bad now Jordan because you're on speakerphone. I agree with you. I think he's ugly too. Bye. What are you doing today? I've been talking to Jordan. Most of the he, he left about an hour and a half or so. Went to the farm, but mostly yeah. talk, just talking to him. I did a little bit outside, but I I found out I couldn't do it without a chainsaw. And I didn't want to drag all this crap out there, and knowing he'd be he'd be back in a few minutes. So pretty yeah. much nothing. You guys, how did your open house go? Oh my gosh, it was non-stop. It was what? We had people. It was just non-stop people. We had, we must have had 12, at least 12 groups that came through. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Anybody buy the house or? Uh, we have three people that are interested. Yeah, do they have it? You know me, do they do they have an agent or are you guys gonna They have agents. Oh they got agents? Yeah. Well one lady doesn't, but I don't know if she'll buy it. She lives in Chesterfield and she said she's sick and tired of of paying ten thousand dollars a year in property tax. Good lord, who wouldn't be? Yeah. So she says she's got a house she has to sell over there, but she doesn't have to sell the house in order to, you know, to live here. So, is, I mean, to get to get her as client, or? No, I, I mean, I gave a couple people that are thinking of selling their house, we gave them our cards, but, I mean, it was, it was so busy that Ryan was going in one direction, and I was going in the other. Well, that's what, that's what you want, really, in an open house. It is, it is, but I, I hope it sells from that. Well, I'm sure it will if you've got three people. You, you had four before today. What happened to the fourth one? Well, they weren't mine. They were just people that called. I imagine. I know at least two of them came to the open house. So you had four. So. Anyway, you got five or six people sounding like interested in the house, so one of them will buy. No, 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 no. You just heard what I said. Two of those, it went to two of those people, and I don't know, maybe three that they had already called, or their agent had called, came to the open house. So that was part of the 10 or whatever it was we had. So, I don't know. Well, I have okay. no idea. Don't try to pin me down. So you guys have just been hanging out? I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say anything else. If Bailey said she thought Christian was bringing the boys over to swim. I didn't hear from, I haven't heard from Christian since you left the other day. Well, I said, I'm, I hope not because I didn't know she was coming and I didn't have, I didn't have time to pick stuff up. Well, we don't necessarily have to feed them just because they come over here to swim. No, but I need, I need to pick stuff up. There's stuff out that little kids shouldn't get into. Like, I think I've got weed killer outside. Well, you know, hey, Christian's not going to. Let any um pick up pick up poison or anything like that, you know. She's oh yeah, she doesn't pay attention to. Yeah, she does. What time? 
What time is Jordan leaving? I think seven o'clock. So yeah, I'll probably leave pretty soon. It's one of these. Uh, one of these nighttime boyfriends, I think. I don't know. Yeah. Something like that. I don't look to any, I don't, Jordan, uh, the answer to your question is yes. Okay. Alright, I'm leaving, I'm leaving Wentzville, so I'll be home before tomorrow. Alright. Alright, bye. Bye. I guess you call, because sometimes she'll, she'll be at 10 o'clock at night out running still. And, uh. And I, didn't know, I wouldn't even know when she's coming home, you know. I keep telling her I don't, I don't like for her to drive at 10 o'clock at night, you know. Cause I think it's because I, I had two flats within a month. And one of them was, really, one of them was really scary. I mean, I pulled over the side, I had a flat tire, and uh, I had this black car, and I, I I didn't know how to get the tire off, you know, but that's a, it's a quick story. Pull over to the side, and I thought, what in the crap am I going to do? Well, I, I got my stuff out of the car and everything, and I was trying to get, trying to fix the flat, and it everything was covered, these little things that, well, I'm not going to go into that, but I didn't know what I was going to do. Within, within Two minutes, the state patrol stopped. Helped you out? Yeah. No way. Yeah, he uh, he couldn't get it off either, so he made a phone call. It, we just got the car, so I didn't know how to do that. You know? Right, right. And, because uh, everything has a cap on it. Usually, you, you, you take the hubcap off, and you get the little wrench, you know, and you just, you know, you, you jack it up. Yeah. In the air, and then you rinse. But they had little caps on them, all these nuts, I guess you call them the nuts. You hold the, hold the tire on. They all had this, and I couldn't get the cover off. And he couldn't get it off either, so he called somebody. said, what are you supposed to do with these? And, he, and together we figured it out. He, he changed, the, changed the tire for me. And when you, when you get a new car, that one wasn't new, but it was... You get a little tiny, do you know about this? You get a little tiny tire. Uh-huh. It's not really a tire. You're supposed to drive it no more than 50 miles an hour, and you better not drive it very far. You don't get a real tire. You know, I just started that like five, few years ago. I didn't know I had that. I didn't know I didn't have a real tire. Right. It's about this big around. It fits on there, but it's a little tiny thing. Anything to save a hundred dollars when they sell you a forty thousand dollar car, they put a little right, a little tire in there because it didn't cost, you know, a, real, a regular tire and rim may cost three hundred dollars. So, sure, it's maybe forty thousand for the car, but they're not gonna put that three hundred dollar tire in there. You know, it's so stupid. Bottom line, that's you won't have that problem, but you will if you get a new car. But. Or even a used car. This is a 2013 car, and I got it. 15. So, uh, back to the back to the original question. What do you what do you think happens after death?
Well, that was an hour ago. Almost but you never answered the question. talking about that. I guess I don't really have an answer for that. Well, I guess your answer would be just don't know. One part of me says, I hope, I hope it happens the way I was taught. And I want to believe that. But it's, it's so far out, human beings can't understand having a soul and your body's rotten. But then you, you somehow ascend into heaven and you know everybody there. We were taught, you know, your, your, your parents would be there, you know, if they, unless they were really nasty people. So I don't think there's going to be an exclusive field of heaven. That's that's something I definitely don't believe in. I believe everybody goes regardless of what they do, and then they lose sense of who they were, but they see their wrongs because they're they're able to see who they were without an ego to defend who they to justify and defend who they were. Well, see the Bible. The Bible says that there really is a devil. And it was an angel that God kicked him out of heaven. Right. You know. I don't necessarily believe that because I think whatever people use the devil, I think the way Christianity uses the devil is to implement fear for whatever reason. I mean, most likely control, but... Well, the... Uh, yeah, the Bible was written, the Old Testament was written long, long, long time ago. The reason Bill O'Reilly could write a book called Killing Jesus is because the guy that helps him does, does all the research for O'Reilly's books. Mm -hmm. He went to Israel and he went to, to Jerusalem and all the places where Jesus walked. On, and he found people back, back in those days and there didn't have any distractions. So a lot of people would just record history. I mean, their history back then is probably as good as one, two hundred years ago. You know? They just had people that, that just, I guess they were like reporters back then, you know, and they just recorded everything. Every every word Jesus said, you know, they would write it down. And um, so, um, in the Old, the Old Testament, was written um, before Christ, so probably uh, was written. I want to say the Greek, because if you go back to civilizations, I think Greek, Greece, Greek people, Greece was one of the oldest human, you know, the oldest civilized place. But and then, so they had a lot of the lot of the Bible written there, and they put a, they put all the books together in the Bible, the Old Testament, and the New Testament was people that walked around and listened to Jesus, and they recorded these things along with many many other. People. A lot of the disciples, right? A lot of disciples had their own book of book in the Bible. Yeah, see, that's why they call it a book of John. John was a John was a disciple. Right. And uh, the Acts, the book of, book of Acts, that was also written by John. And uh, when I was a doctor, 
if you look at the New Testament, you got five books there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So four books. Luke was a doctor, but he also wrote a book in the Bible. And uh, when I read O'Brien's book, I mean, I read the Bible a lot, you know, in Sunday school. I went to Sunday school forever. My mother took me, you know, and we had Bible study and all that, you know, and so we read to read the Bible a lot. And um, kind of lost what I was talking about. Uh, Bible study a lot. Well, yeah, see, a lot of people that don't believe in the Bible because they they don't have the they don't have the brain, I guess, to understand it in history. Most people don't learn a lot about history. So if you go back two thousand years, that's where that's where all the smart people were. That's Aristotle, you know. He was, I think he was born, you know, when was he born? Aristotle, people like that. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, Plato, all those guys. That, that's, that's all, those people will smart anybody ever, anybody that's ever lived, probably. I mean, they're, they're well known. Socrates and, and uh, the other one I just said, they were, um, what was the other one? Socrates? Socrates, Plato, Aristotle. Plato. Plato and Socrates. Aristotle, I think they were related somehow. They were the cousins, or one was the mentor of the other one. I'm pretty sure they're mentors. Some were mentors of but the see, other. But see, if you, if you, if history can find people like that, it wouldn't. They wouldn't just two people, but they're the most famous. Right, right. You know, but just the smart people back in, in the Greek and and. Uh, a lot, of, a lot of it was written in, uh, in Greece. Uh, there's, a, there's a language, it's a Jewish language, I can't think of it right now. Hebrew? Yeah, yeah. A lot of those books are in Hebrew and they had to, they had to, somebody had to put them in English, which is the English people. They had, there, there's several different versions of the Bible and they're all the same thing except some of them use English, American English. Right. And not wherefore art thou? They would they would not say something like, Where are you? Um, so I, as far as what I believe, I really don't know. I know what I was taught to believe. But then your, your brain comes in and... and Start to question things. It kind of says you, you question that because from a human standpoint, you don't understand. I don't think anybody understands. You just take it to faith. I mean, Christians have faith. Do you believe there's a God? Yeah. I do as well. I think everything is perfect. How else could you... Not to be how else could anybody... Literally, create, create the earth. How could anybody explain that away? If it's, they always say it's Big Bang Theory and all that kind of stuff, but every time an atheist says there's no God because 
skies, you know, there was a big bang, and he, of course, the Christian, all he got to do is say, okay, who caused the big bang? Well, it wasn't God. Well, who was it then? You know? And it's infinity. Nobody can understand infinity. Negative infinity. Or just plain infinity. Nobody can understand that. But they, they like to say they can. But in my mind, yeah, it's hard to wrap your head around yeah, infinity. In my mind, no, you don't. You don't. You know, we live in an infinite universe. Uh, Tell me when infinity ends. You know, that's nobody can do that. Do you think after death, do you think we stay in this universe, but we go to a different dimension of it? Because science backs up. I think there are like twelve dimensions or something like that. I don't. I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know either. Twelve dimensions. But Revelations is the last book in the Bible. Is the book of Revelations? It's very complicated. <coughs> you can, if you ever wanted to read that, you probably should get a watered down version of, of of that. You know, or maybe like an interpretation type of book. Oh, it's, you just can't. I think ministers study their whole lives. You got to be on. I think you got to be a PhD nowadays to be a preacher. Uh -huh. Well, anyway, the guy that we had in Omaha, he was he had a PhD, and and uh, I was real good friends with him because every Saturday he'd come over and knock on my door about eight o'clock, wake me up, you know, because I could get on the Air Force base, and he went like to play tennis. So, I had, so he'd wake you up to get out of Yeah, he'd that. wake me up and we'd go over there and he'd drive through the gate. And I would just hold my card up. So that gave him somebody to play tennis with. Uh, okay. A place to play. You know? He was and you got the experience of playing tennis with somebody um, who I'm assuming is pretty good. Tennis is a cool sport. Yeah, I, I, I was, you know, I don't know. I, I, I never would say whether it was good or bad, but I, I played tennis. Was, I was. Well, you said you played pool with a lot of those guys as well, right? Played pool when the Doris was having a baby. Well, the Air Force Base we lived on had a pool hall. Uh-huh. I mean, it had a, a pool. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Wait, like a pool? Like you, like a swimming pool? No. Was, okay, okay. A room yeah. with, with a pool hall and several, several tables. Okay, okay. And, uh, so that, I mean, we... I played basketball when I was in Italy. They had a gymnasium. For, we had we had four teams. We had uh, that's pretty cool. Four four sets of people. Because I told you before, you work like from you work one third of the day, and you go home. So you work eight hours. So you'd work. Yeah, you'd work uh, day, evening, and night. So you had four of us. So, so really, it was half of your waking day. Yeah, you do. You, you, wow. I'd work two days, three days, and then you get one. I get twenty four hours off because then I'd go to go to like five o'clock or four o'clock in the afternoon. So that would yeah. be that would be the night shift or not the night whatever. But you work, you work three days in the daytime, three days in the evening. Three days at night, and then you get three days off. That oh, wow. So all the time, one fourth of everybody there was was on a three day break. 
that's cool. So that's when we went to Rome. You went to Rome? Yeah, we drove drove the car and went to Rome. How far of a drive was that? From That's somewhere I definitely want to visit. It's through the mountains. I'm guessing I'd love to visit a couple hundred miles probably. That's cool. And uh, that's the story your grandma told you. The car broke down and uh, you know, I think she told she likes to tell that story, she's told it. Oh, yeah. Because I had, I, I had bought a watch for like, I don't know, $5, and it was shiny, and uh, the car broke down, so I pulled into this Italian place, no English, just fixed car, you know. So they, they fixed my car, and then they wanted $30, and to me it'd be like $300 almost today. Oh, wow. So I said, uh, I tell you what, I can't, I can't pay thirty dollars. How about this watch? So the watch that I paid maybe five bucks for. No way! I haven't heard this story. You didn't hear? No. She's told that to everybody. So you were able to get your car fixed with just I mean, that watch. It, it was a belt. I mean, my goodness, we're talking about nineteen sixty-five. No, nineteen sixty-three. This is 1963, right. 54, 54 years ago. Wow. So, five bucks. You know, we did that the other night. You know, what's fifty dollars worth from 1958? What's it worth today? Right, right. Or if, yeah, I was, I, I was totally thinking five thousand. My dad, I think, was making uh, with all of her cotton and everything, five thousand dollars a year. Still, you got away with one sixth of the price. Pretty impressive. Yeah, it was uh, it was a really shiny watch, and uh, these were we just took the watch. That's cool. I don't think I had to give them a penny. I mean, there were six of us in that car, so I mean they had three guys and three women. That's so that's why when we were in the car. We went to Naples to pick up these women, the the, the wives of all three of us. So. Here we got this car. It, it probably should have two people in it. Two mm -hmm. in the front, two in the back. But we had four in the front. That's that's in the days when you didn't have two seats in the front of your car. Yeah. That's that's fairly new. You have one seat all the way across the front, and all across the back. So you just get in there and squeeze in. Yeah. So we, that's kind of cool. So, uh, there were six of us that got out of the car. That's that makes sense. We kind of have that in our van as well. Like, I, I get what you mean. Yeah, the, best, the front seats got Still two being seats. comfortable, though. You got two seats. Probably put a girl on your lap or something like that. Lap we just, up. You just, you just... Well, let's take, put it this way. Not everybody in the world was 50 pounds overweight like they are today. Yeah, true. You know, we were all normal size. People, young... So you just you just scoot over until. Was it an Italian car or an American car? It was an American car. Oh, okay. Nineteen fifty three Chevy, I think. It was. Yeah, those Italian cars are small. I I I gotta go though, cause uh, I'm going. I gotta be at Patrick's at. Well, they want us over there at seven, so that's twenty minutes from now, and I want to meditate a little bit. It's but, almost it's almost seven o'clock. Yeah, is that crazy? We start this at uh, five thirty, I think. Six this one might, this one might come across as nonsensical when you when you twenty years.
reason now you, when you look at it. A little esoteric? You don't know what that means? No, I do know what it means. Uh -huh. Just out there. Oh. And that wraps up podcast number three. And the battery's about to die.